Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hola mi gente, welcome back to Cafecito con Estrellita. I hope you're doing well this week and you already know I've missed you so much and I know you know, you know, it's just, don't get me wrong. I love engaging on TikTok and Instagram and posting and creating content on there, but nothing ever really beats a good old sit-down, one-on-one podcast episode, you know, because I just want to talk and I want to share and uh, I'm excited to connect. Now, let's go ahead. In case you didn't know, I didn't receive admission into any of the PhD programs I applied to this year. And when I tell you, as soon as as soon as I, I received the rejection letters and I wanted to sit down and just make an episode. I'm not even gonna lie. But ugh, I was not in the best headspace because the thing about Mimi Hinta is whenever I receive, whether it's super good or super bad news on the spot at that moment i i almost experience a sense of denial or just hold on hold on you know what i mean it happened with me with the ted talk it happened with me with these letters and so much i just it's interesting and then after like an hour or so passes by that's when i get really emotional because things start to like kick in and oh my gosh and when i tell you when I finally got the last rejection letter, it was on a Wednesday afternoon. I had just finished my lunch hour. Well, I don't get an hour for lunch, but you know what I mean. And I was getting ready to walk back to the classroom. And that's when I got it. And thankfully, I was in my denial little phase because I still had to go and, you know, work through three periods. And... It wasn't until towards the end of my last period of the day, I was like, that's when it hit me. And I was like choking up, but I still had to hold it together because so it's crazy. And I'm pretty sure a lot of you have experienced this or could relate to it in some extent, but it's almost like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I, I could feel my feelings, but I had to more hold it together because I was still expected to go to work the next day and, you know all that stuff. But then once Saturday hit, boom, that's when I just let myself become a potato, a little hermit, just growing, going through the motions. And it's just, it's such a, it's such a crazy headspace to be in because it's, you want to be there for yourself. You want to give yourself permission and the time that you need, but you still have to get through these work days and then you will give yourself like those full weekends. You know what I mean? And sure, I could have called out the following day to just, because again, it was on a Wednesday, but I don't know. I just, I was just taking it day by day, hour by hour. You know what I mean? And of course, I was devastated. Pero it was very important for me to still hold it together, to still, because, okay, here's the thing. I didn't want to, because, okay, I have a social media platform. Okay, as you know, and I know. And the last thing I wanted to do for myself was to create a form of content that would scare mi gente from even applying or wanting to 
consider continuing on or, you know, in a PhD or grad level program. Pero también it's just, I wanted to make sure that my platforms stayed as empowered and validated as they are because I still want to be in a PhD program and earn my degree. So I'm like, I need to validate myself, let this be known, but also make sure that these institutions know that I'm not playing around. Like, I'm serious. Like, I want academia to be part of my future, you know, for long-term careers and stuff, while still acknowledging the fact that rejection is just so much more common in academia than not. And I don't know about you, but at least for me, specifically in my undergrad years, because I just felt I was the most vulnerable during undergrad. When I had started my master's and doing credential program, don't get me wrong, I still felt very like... Uh, it was just a whole other journey in itself, you know, because it's not like I'm getting any younger tampoco. But it was it was just during that time when I was experiencing academic probation, I was more exhausted than I think I could ever imagine, at least at the undergrad level. And the list just goes on. I just felt like those around me kept winning and winning and winning and I just kept making so many mistakes that delayed my graduation where I graduated undergrad in like five and a half years. And then it gave me, and then I had like a rocky start on my graduate school journey with, you know, dropping out, restarting, et cetera. And it just was making me feel like I'm just not a good student. But then I also don't feel like a good daughter because I just went through a horrendous breakup and now like, I have to quote unquote start all over again because it's like, you know, continue on the lineage of mi familia. At least that was all that crazy stuff that was going through my mind, you know, which is still very valid because a lot of times as first gen, it's just so many responsibilities culturally and with the things that are just here in our life right now in the individualistic culture of the U.S., and all I remember is during those hardships, I just wanted to hear or see someone who looked like me in a high power position or what I considered high power position at the time, say that they were experiencing rejections, losses, setbacks as well. Like what younger me, what I would have, uh, how much I would have felt so validated and empowered as I was continuing to go because I was just so insecure and just insecure, not just like myself, but in like my work ethic and myself as a scholar and, you know, and so that's why I knew that whether or not these PhD letters were going to come out the way I wanted them to or not, which obviously they didn't, I just wanted to make sure that I shared and addressed as much as my experiences and the things I went through as possible so that others who were or are or maybe continue, will continue to be in the positions I once were in, if that makes sense. Because, like, it's it almost feels discouraging when all you hear is that everybody's doing 100% amazing and you're just trying to figure it out. But I get it because nobody wants to share their rejections or losses because not only is it like a setback or rejection, that's already a lot to take in, but the emotions that come with it because it's like, 
let's say you didn't get a certain scholarship and at the same time you didn't get that scholarship, you also failed an exam. And then there's a possibility you might have to retake another class because you're like not where you want to be. Like think about it. One person having those or just three things alone on top of them, of course, they're not going to want to share it out loud because it might make them feel worse than they may be feeling right now because it's just a lot. So they'll want to talk out loud more about things that will help them feel better or talk, which again, it's their wins or about different topics that are not school or whatever related, you know, which it's all valid and I get it. And that's why for me, at least with the position and the platform I kind of gave myself and thankfully you all decided to build it with me. I don't know. It was just, it felt important for me to say everything that I said, write everything that I wrote in a way where I wasn't crying, which I was very, I was actually very surprised with myself because I do cry a lot on my own time and not sound so crazy and neurotic. It's just, it's a long journey, but you're not alone. Y la vida pasa, la vida pasa, like, it's just, we're here together. So what was Estrellita doing during this whole time as she's like, you know, she just finished a TED Talk, it finally got uploaded onto YouTube, and then I got the last bit of rejection letters a week so after the TED Talk. In case some of you didn't know, as I, I believe it was, yeah, it was the day I did my TED Talk. I felt great. And then a few days later, later, I got my first rejection letter from the PhD program. I'm like, well, you can't win them on. Can't win them all, <laughs> you know? But, okay. So while all, what else I had been doing once processing my emotions of not getting into the program I wanted to be in, I journaled more than usual because I already felt and knew that I journaled a lot, but when I tell you I've been journaling like crazy, I really have because it's just, I don't want to forget anything that I'm saying that I'm experiencing because it's all super important to me because one day I'm going to look back at this and just like be really happy I didn't give up because now I've just, I'm transitioning into a new little phase and well, it's not a little... You know what I mean when I say little. So, yeah, it's just, it's important to write whatever you're feeling when you experience a very big win or a very big loss. Jot it down and don't lose it, you know? Now, if any of you are in the same position as me or you have been, etc., this is the other thing I want to share with all of you too. So, I was not kidding. I had spent, I started looking into PhD programs a year before I even applied. Actually, I've been looking into, I'm not even, ni te voy a mentir. I've been looking in them since I was in community college. Pero, 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 pero. As I got older and as I kept doing my work on social media and, you know, credential program and looking back at all my research experience and past work I did during undergrad, I started to really understand what my research interests are, you know, and while understanding and building on the research interests that I have now, I was also figuring out, okay, which PhD programs are going to align with me. And when I say align, I'm not just talking about where 
it works out because the school is like super close to where I want to live, etc. No, what I mean aligned by is as well is you need to make sure that there is faculty in that program that you want to do that your research interest, it's going to work. Like there is faculty that are going to be able to help support what you want to do, what you want to build. Because if, let's say, for example, let's say that your interests are in social media, um, pop culture, identity, those things together, right? But then let's say you're applying to a university where a majority of that faculty, their research is focused on the immigration and so forth, you know? Things that just aren't aligned with what you've worked on, what you're interested in, because both your research areas are super important and have so, like, does so much for our communities. But if it's just not aligned, it's just, it's not going to work, you know? And uh, when I tell you, before I officially submitted my apps, I had about 20 plus programs I was going to apply to. And because I had been working on my apps for so long, as I continued meeting with faculty at these universities that I was interested in going to, which by the way, I didn't get the chance to meet with every single faculty I wanted. It was just, if it worked out, you know, for me to attend their office hour or if they actually had availability or if they were actually able to take on grad students because throughout my journey, I was finding that there were professors that I had similar research interests as them in the desired PhD programs I was trying to get into, but they were going to then take a few years off to work on a book for the university, like work on their own research where they just wouldn't be taking on PhD students. You know what I'm saying? And as I kept going down my little list, it's just uh, so many things were happening where in reality, I went down to three schools three schools. And ah, there was one school in particular where I was really aiming for, especially because when I finally met the faculty in an open house, it just, it worked. We were super aligned, but it just, it wasn't my time. I don't know what else to say, but that's what I want to talk about next. So it didn't work out, even though I had the super long journey of not just applying and putting in all my work in my statement of purpose, personal history, writing sample, CV, like the list goes on. But I was not going to give up. And thankfully, I was just so fortunate enough that one of the faculty members in my top PhD program I wanted to be in, she saw me. She saw, like, she just saw me. We were aligned. You know what I'm saying? At, like, with research interests, with work ethic, like, the list goes on. But, again, it's just, it didn't work out for this year. But she, I'm just so fortunate enough where she extended the option for me to work with her on a liter, like, an independent type research project that could help strengthen even more my PhD application, you know, like the materials that go in it. And the reason why I say that is because 
I'm just going to keep it real with you. A lot of my back research experiences are in psychology, Spanish, and communication, and then the two most recent conferences that I presented at was on Cafecito con Estrellita. But she she she's still a growing platform, so I'm just still trying to understand everything, you know? And then that's when I started to find out that I wanted and did apply to PhD programs in Chicano and Chicana studies. And as I connected with this faculty, we were learning and building and truly understanding that the work that I do for the podcast and just the platforms overall is the way that I practice Chicano and Chicana studies. And yes, it's great that I presented it at research conferences, but now it's time to take it to the next level, you know, the next level in the sense where I'm already doing the work. I have been, as you all are my witness, but it's now structuring it and putting it together where it's just, it's it's 100% understood exactly, you know, the way it's meant to be understood and the power with in behind it. And I'm just very happy that this faculty, we're going to be still working together. It'll be like a long distant independent research project, pero it's going to work out. And I'm just so excited because not only number one, do I crave and desire to be back into these types of academic spaces where I'm having access to literature reviews and, you know, research articles that align with my interests because you can only find so much on just Google Scholar, you know? It's just like there's more out there, but it's like you need access to these databases that are at universities and most of the time to get access from them, you have to be a student or faculty at those universities. Like, it's a whole thing in itself, you know? And I'm really hoping that what we build, I can use that in my writing sample because with a lot of these programs, what I was submitting as my writing sample was my senior honors thesis, which was done completely in Spanish. Now, for a few of these programs, they were going they were going to accept it. Like, yeah, it's okay. If it's all written in Spanish, we'll take it, da-da-da. But for my top school that I wanted to be at, you know, they were not going to take a fully written writing sample in Spanish. And I had nothing else in my, I'm being serious, I had nothing else to my disposal that met the 20 plus page requirement to be considered a competitive writing sample, if that makes sense. Because all my law, like my huge writing papers all in Spanish. So I actually had to go back and dig my way into my community college papers. And thankfully I had this essay that I did for writing too. And I just worked some magic. I had a tutor go over it with me. Like we did the best we could with that writing sample, but I understand if that one wasn't enough. Not going to lie, I know for a fact my statement of purpose in personal history was very strong as well as my CV and the work I've just done in the past. And then obviously I submitted Cafecito con Estrellita as my supplemental materials, thankfully because of the advice I was receiving from a couple of mentors that I had during the time I was submitting my PhD apps. But I understand my writing sample wasn't that strong. Like I'm being serious. 
But it's like, I didn't know I was going to end up wanting to do a PhD in Chicano and Chicana studies. I initially thought I was going to do my PhD in Spanish, psych, or education. Pero just, you know, so... I'm excited because this opportunity with this specific faculty that will continue to work with me, I want to use what I work on with her to be my writing sample for the Chicano Chicana Studies PhD program, you know? And I really feel like it's going to work out. And if it doesn't, well, we'll see what happens. Pero I'm excited to move forward. You know what I'm saying, mi gente? And of course, tampoco ni les voy a mentir. When I was sitting back this last week and a half, too, like when it was all said and done, I wasn't going to be in a PhD program this year. Like, yeah, yeah. I just, I was also just thinking of the future for Cafecito because as many of you know, I have long-term plans. Long-term plans because I want to continue holding space and doing stuff things for my first-gen academic community and anyone else that could just feel like, you know what I mean? And I don't know, maybe I sound silly saying this, but I actually journaled this a few days ago. It's just, believe it or not, I still feel like I'm not, I still feel like I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough for all of you and I'm not doing enough for myself. And that's that. I actually do upload podcast episodes pretty frequently, interview or solo. I do post content on TikTok and Instagram. I do attend the little virtual events. I call everything a little, you know what I mean? These virtual events. I do my own little research on my side. I'm showing you all that, you know, and I just, and I know I'm feeling this way because the things that I want to do to make sure it can go back to supporting all of you, it's... I really feel like I'm just getting started. And this is year, we're going on to year three here. And as much as I really dislike that I am being put on a pause with my academic trajectory because I didn't get into a PhD program and I have to apply again, I have been strategizing and already working on how I'm going to be using the rest of this year, not taking classes, not being an actual student, to build the things I need to build for all of you. And then, of course, it goes back to me, my future family, if I end up having one. And just, it's a cycle, like a good cycle, a good cycle. And just know you're not alone, you know? Now, I want to read to all of you a couple of the Instagram comments I received on my posts when I shared I didn't get into programs because I feel like it's actually not, you know what I'm saying. I feel like it's super, super beneficial with anyone who may need to hear it. So here we go by Emma Nicole underscore 97. As difficult as it is to hear back with only rejections, don't let that tear down your confidence. You are more than qual- a qualified applicant who is working against other highly qualified applicants. I always recommend reaching out to admission committees and asking why you were rejected and how you can work on it and keep in contact with them so that when you reapply, they know more about your dedication and drive. Best of luck 
on your future endeavors. Endeavors. I don't know if I said that right. Now, I'm going to go ahead and read one more. It's from Grad School Fem Touring. Just wanted to pop in and say that there are so many factors outside of our control that could lead to not getting in. Yesterday, I was working on book revisions and writing about how many programs nationwide are reducing their cohort sizes due to the shrinking number of tenure track positions. At the UC level, many institutions are reducing their cohorts and fellowships to help them absorb the cost of raising salaries from the UC strike. Raising salaries is great, but reducing cohort sizes and doing quote-unquote blind admissions reviews of applicants often leads to implicit bias and racist admission processes that leave out incredible individuals like all of you. And again, I just wanted to share those. I feel like they're important. And there's so many other, first and foremost, thank you so much for all of you that had just come through. I just, I appreciate and love you all so much. And ah, I'm not going to cry. Pero numero dos, for those, like the first gen community, we really are so strong. And I do invite you, if you know you're interested in grad school or whatever journey of your life, I invite you to check out and read through the comments that were left on my most recent videos where I had announced I didn't get in anywhere because a lot of it, it's it's really good. And we all need to hear it, or I guess in this case, read it. Now, let's go ahead and transition away from all this PhD talk because there's other things I, I really want to talk about with all of you, but yeah, you know, you know the format of this podcast. So not too long ago, it was during my little time off where I was just processing everything. I was actually watching Patty Rodriguez TEDx talk. I can go ahead and link it in the show notes because I'm looking at my little notes and I actually didn't write the title of her talk, but I can link it so you can check it out. And something, so let me try and sum it up before I read you something she said that it got me thinking. And this talk was basically, she was sharing her journey, her story, and one of her biggest dreams was to have more books, the little kid books, out and published for Latino, Latina, Latinx children to be able to read and see themselves in these books. Because something that she had said that I never really thought about before was... The fact that when we were kids, a lot of the books that we would read were if you give a mouse a cookie or I can't think of the rest at the top of my head, but you know what I mean. And we just weren't seeing ourselves in those books, in those stories. And she was very adamant in publishing kids books where her children can see themselves in it. And it was a lot of trial and error because at the time she was trying to do it, a lot of publishing companies kept saying no to her. All, so many of them. And one of the things that these, uh, something that a specific 
I don't remember, she didn't say the name of the publishing company, but someone that worked for that publishing company was she jumped on a call with them, convincing them and telling them, trying to tell them, hey, I want to do this. I want to publish this book so my kids, they can see themselves. Other kids can see themselves in books. And that person just paused her and said, Latino parents don't read to their kids. Oh, my goodness. First of all, Patty Rodriguez, if you ever even listen to this, I just love you so much. And I am so glad you have Leo Libros and you showed what's up by never giving up and continuing to pursue where now you have your publishing company, you know? But, oh my gosh, when I tell you, mi gente, ugh, just so many, so many thoughts came into my mind. And one of the things that I was remembering is that when I was little, and I've shared this before, not just, you know, on my TED Talk, but just with all of you, my parents, they were just always working because, uh, oh my gosh, like, you know, trying to make the American dream happen, whatever even that means. But I do remember there would be moments my mom would like sit down and read to me. Even my grandpa, me abuelito, that till this day, he still doesn't know English fluently. And vez en cuando, he would do, oh, he's so cute. I love him so much. He would try his best to like read to us because that was his little way of practicing English too, even though like he only spoke Spanish and, you know. And then what I remember more is there came a point in my little teenage years that my mom would take my sisters and I to the library during the summers because at least in Orange County, well, I grew up in Anaheim and the public library we used to attend, they always had like these little summer reading competitions where you were basically competing with yourself. And depending on how many books you read, your parent could like sign off. Oh, they read this. They read that. They read this. And if you got a certain amount of little parent signatures, then you would be rewarded. My favorite were like the coupons to get a 7-Eleven drink for free. And I remember I would always get the Coke Slurpee and all these things. And I remember, well, one, my mom would take us to the library and stuff like that because it was something fun. And because we were like super, super dirt poor, like we couldn't do too many things. Like, you know, like my summers involved the library, the sprinklers and yard work and cleaning, if you know what I mean. So yeah, so hearing that some mean person told Patty that it got me thinking about my childhood and the things I went through. And yeah, maybe I wasn't read to every night, like, you know, but I was every now and then. And then my mom did the best she could to take us to these places where we could read ourselves, you know? And then it just kept me thinking, you know, I just, I wish I had an answer, but I don't. And another thing that Patty had said from that TED talk is that we keep being placed in the back. And the way that was brought up was because there had came a point throughout her journey of building and having her publishing company that she would attend bookstores such as Barnes and Noble, etc. And when she would go to these bookstores, she would ask, where is the Latino book sections? And they would say, oh, it's in the back. 
And that's when Patty would say, but why are they in the back? Like, how are they supposed to be sold if they're in the back? And that's when the worker would say, or did say, well, nobody reads those. But again, it's because they're in the back. And it just kept me thinking more. And that's when, if we keep being placed in the back, then even when we are pushed in the front, it's scary because we've never been pushed to the front before. And when we're pushed to the front, when we never have been before and have no guidance, oh gosh, we really are paving the way. And oh, this is when I tell you, I'm not even kidding. What really drives me and what builds my critical thinking and what builds my thought process to just not just be a creator, but just to think bigger as I keep trying to build these, I mean, break these generational cycles is I hear these talks or read these stories. Patty Rodriguez is a perfect example of just things that have actually freaking happened to us or, and are continuing to still happen. And as a first gen Latina who has been pushed to the front when she was always used to being put in the back, it's a lot. And I mean, I it's another reason why when I reflect back, I realize why I don't take my work lightly. Why I, I oftentimes have these, I just, I crave wanting to do more to then remind all of you that you can continue to do more, to keep going so we have brighter futures for ourselves, which goes back to our communities, which go back to so much, you know? And yeah, I'll make sure to link that TED Talk in the show notes because, and she had did this like a couple years back, but still so, so, so good. Now we have the, I'm kind of sad because we are slowly coming to an end on today's episode. But before we go, I want to share this that I wrote. We were all just trying to do the right thing at the time with what we had. And I want you to sit with that because when I tell you, we all go through different chapters, different eras of our life because that's just, we're human, we grow, you know? And with different chapters, with different eras, sometimes we'll have more things or sometimes we'll have less things than we did in certain chapters and eras, if you know what I mean. And I just want you to know that as long as you keep going while taking breaks as needed, things will start to unravel and they'll make sense. And I'm just so proud of you. You got this. All right, mi gente. So that concludes our episode, interview episode for this week. Please stay tuned as interview and solo episodes continue to be pushed out for the rest of season five. Cuídense y hablamos pronto. Adios. <laughs>